1: Welcome to another podcast
0: from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports. Brought to you by t shirtcom the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. Welcome to a special edition of the Inside Carolina Coast-to-Coast Podcast. I'm your host, John Siegley. I'm joined, as always, by Cheryl McMillan and Sean Moran. Call this one a special edition because we are coming to you guys just after Carolina received a commitment from the top player in the state of North Carolina in the class of 2021, Dontrez Styles. This was a commitment that, you know, I think a lot of Carolina fans may have expected, but is really one that I think ramped up a lot recently before we get to the breakdown of his game just talk about his recruitment Sherelle and I mean I remember we talked about this kid on a coast-to-coast podcast maybe a couple of weeks ago and I just feel that his timeline has really sped up since I guess Roy Williams and the coaching staff really made him a priority in that 2021 class.
2: Yeah, so it started, um, I guess, almost a year and a half ago, the first time they watched him on the AAU circuit. Um, And I I guess they like what they saw. They're actually going to see um, some players who've committed elsewhere or signed elsewhere in the 2020 class. Uh, Cam Hayes, who signed with uh, NC State, and then Shaquille Moore a little bit, who also signed with NC State. And so he played up um, in AAU. So that means basically – He's playing guys who are two years older than him as opposed to, you know, the same age or or one year older. So it was a a good experience for him playing against people who were older. And that's when UNC first saw him. And fast forward to uh, this past June, they saw him again at at the MBPA Top 100 camp in Charlottesville. You hear us talk about that a lot because it's a really good um, evaluation opportunity. And really, there was nothing in between June and I guess the end of December until the John Wall Holiday Invitational in Raleigh. He played really well there. Uh, Evan Daniels, who's 24 7's national uh, recruiting director, uh, really liked his game. Um, and it kind of took off from there. He started getting more offers. He got more attention from Carolina. Um, he got a visit from, <clears throat> excuse me, Roy Williams on February 4th. So a little more than five weeks after the John Wall. And then he got the offer um, the week after the season ended. So about a week after the Syracuse game. Uh, he had the offer and here he is now as a commit. So once it once North Carolina identified him and made him a top priority, like you said, it took off and part of that is because he grew up a Carolina fan. And the other part of it is he's seen uh, kind of the schools he wants to see and, and, and the options that he has. And I guess he you know, he kinda of figured that it was it was time. Um it, it reminds me a little bit of how Carolina kind of ramped up with Kobe White and De'Ron Sharp, also two North Carolina players from the eastern part of the state, in that They got offers and then quickly North Carolina identified them as, okay. these are guys that, you know, they need to prioritize. And then within a couple of months, both were committed. I think Kobe first got uh, UNC attention that April and he was committed by the end of July. And then De'Ron really um, got some attention the February of his sophomore year from UNC, got the offer in early May and and then committed in June. Um, So this kind of tracks similar to, to those recruitments from down east as well. And when you're looking at
0: his rankings in the class of 2021, 247 has the composite ranking as 57, and then just on 247 sports, he's 68 overall. So a very solid prospect, high four-star kid. Sean, when you're looking at the the impact that you think Styles, his commitment might have on the class of 2021, how, how do you think that will play out? And also, how big of a deal do you think it is that Carolina landed as it stands right now, the number one player for the state of North Carolina in that class.
1: Well, I think it's important for a number of reasons. One, you're on the board for 2021. I know for a while we've been talking about the class and they've had some early scholarship offers with some of the top five, 10 players in the country and little by little kind of late in the season, uh, they started expanding their 2021 search. Um, so, to get a commitment right now, uh, especially with everything going on is huge in that class to kick things off him being the top player in North Carolina, especially from Kinston. uh, Brandon Ingram was the last top prospect and usually North Carolina was used to getting those top players from Kinston and um, Ingram obviously went to Duke, but to land him right now is important. And at the same time, it's not going to scare off any of these five-star players that they are recruiting. Uh, And I think it, You land a guy, as you mentioned, he's ranked number sixty-eight currently by twenty-four-seven. So he has a lot of potential and room to grow. You know, if if we are in normal times right now, I would have been at the Nike EYBL in Indianapolis and probably watching him play. And I think it wouldn't have been a stretch to see him catapult into you know the top forty, and that that might even be understating it. I don't think he's gonna jump to a five star right off the bat because he, he does have a lot of things to work on, but he has a lot of athletic ability and explosiveness. And I, I think he is a player that definitely would have seen his ranking rise based on the spring AAU play.
0: And then Sherelle, I want to get your thoughts on that Kinston connection before we get back to the analysis. So yeah, that, you know, it's really great seeing the another high ranked kid from Kinston play for the heels. I mean historically that's been an area that has done very very well for the Tar Heel program.
2: Right, and I wouldn't just open that up to include the eastern part of the state in general. Yes, um, there's just so much talent that has come from there over the last, you know, 15 20 years for North Carolina, even really even farther than that, but just for the purpose of this, <laughs> the last 20 years. Um and it, like you said, like Sean said, it's important for Roy Williams because he's always said that he wants to have the best player in the state, you know, provided that player is, you know, North Carolina level. And, you know, he's tried to do that. There have been years where some players have gotten away. I think, you know, this brings back a lot of memories of of Brandon Ingram. And uh, we don't mean to rehash that, but, you know, they were, they were as a staff and and Roy Williams, they were really fair to say, they were really hurt by that recruitment just because they were a little bit ahead on him uh, before everyone else. They offered a little bit earlier than most schools, you know, he visited so many times and, I think um, this kind of helps a, to a little bit to get that that taste out of their mouth a bit, um, and then of course Reggie Bullock. You know, it seems like every five years there's a, a Kinston player who's going to be really high level. Um, of course, Reggie Bullock in the class of 2010, Rowan's recruited him, and that recruitment was was much different, more. Um, in line with Styles and it was Ingram. Uh, so the last 10 years, you know, Carolina's uh, really gone to down east. Uh, I, hate, I know people don't like that sometimes. So I'll just say the eastern part of the state. Uh, Brandon Huffman is originally from Goldsboro, where he considers home. And you have, uh, of course, Kobe White, um, who's down from Wilson, and then Dontrez and, and Reggie Bullock. So it's been pretty fertile ground for, for Carolina. I cannot
0: believe that Reggie was 10 years ago. That God, that makes me feel old.
2: <laughs>
0: um, but guys, let's go ahead and start talking about Dontrez's game. Sean, you mentioned that he does have a few aspects to work on. Let's get to those second. I will just tell you guys that where I want to start off kind of the the talk here is his athleticism and his quick hops. Because watching some highlight tapes, and especially a really good one was when, when he went up against UNC commit Dayron Sharp in a championship game last summer, I was just impressed with the way that Dontres was able to really get off the ground quick. So Sean, when you have really been sitting here breaking down his games since he became a target for the Tar Heels, what do you think are his strengths right now?
1: Well I think you you hit on it. You know, one of the things that jumps jumps right off the page is when he catches it around the paint, uh, you know, he doesn't need a dribble to go up and, and dunk it with two hands. He catches it Uh, is quick off his feet and is explosive, uh, whether that's right, you know, right around the basket or in transition. So right off the bat, you have that. I think the question goes to, you know, what position is he? I think every right now he's kind of a a four, three, Um, you know, in terms of his, his other strengths, I think versatility is, is a word that pops to mind because he can guard a few different positions. I mean, I could probably see him guarding really the two through four. Um, offensively, I think he's more of a a four, three, but you watch some of the CP three highlights or, or tape from last year and they're playing a four out, a four out system. So he's always on the, on the perimeter. Um, And at the same time in high school, he averaged a double, double. So uh, you know, I think there, once again, there's a lot of room, room to grow. And as Cheryl mentioned, he was playing up a year and playing up a year. He averaged 15 points in the Nike EYBL Uh, to go along with, with almost four and a half rebounds. So even though CP3's record was, was pretty bad last year, if you're doing that one year removed from your, your, your age range, that's pretty impressive. So I would have seen, you know, probably 18, you know, 18 to 20 points, which is really impressive um, on the EYBL circuit this year. So yeah, I would say what you mentioned in terms of his explosiveness his athletic ability, being able to get out and transition. And then, in terms of weaknesses, the first thing that comes to mind is, is the jump shot. Um, he shot 431 from the three-point line in EYBL last year. I know there are reports that he, he's worked a little bit on his mid-range game in high school, but I think that is a thing that he's just going to have to continue to work on. Because even right now, if you put him at the four and you put him out on the perimeter, he can get by people pretty quickly, especially if it's a mismatch, uh, but people are going to be playing off of him one to two steps. So by the time he does his move, he's he's still going to be in line with the defender just because they're playing off of him. But I think, once again, he has a full year to work on that. And once again, he's not going to be a top 10 player where you expect the world out of like maybe a Naz Little. So he's also going to have room to grow within the Carolina system.
2: I think it's uh, his versatility, uh, both offensively and defensively, that um, w- is really what sticks out to me. And, you know, we've talked about over the last few years how Carolina has started tailoring their pitch to revolve around this idea of uh, positionless basketball, which, you know, the Golden State Warriors and now everybody in the NBA does, like the Houston Rockets, P.J. Tucker plays center, basically. He's six five, six six. Um, And so that kind of mindset is kind of coming over basketball. And I think there was some reluctance initially from UNC to kind of go down that path. And the last couple of years, we start talking about guys like Puff Johnson and, uh, you know, uh, Earl Timberlake, who they recruited, um, a a few others who I'm going to forget off the top of my head but a few others they've talked about how they can play two through four now i think styles offensively as sean said i agree is is more of a, a three four um offensively i think by the time he's a junior if he's still around i think he could be a full-time serviceable wing um, but right now i think he's better suited to kind of play both positions and then on defense i really think i think he can guard one through four honestly um just because of his athleticism you talked about that john a little bit um but if you look at it some of his games if you look at him on the eybl circuit you know it it just seems like he has that ability to not only lock in to not only be intense on defense, but also, you know, move his feet. Um, And he has good defensive instincts from what I've seen, which again, I'm not claiming to be a scattery thing, but just from watching him a little bit over the last year and a half, he definitely has those those defensive instincts that you look for. The challenge for him moving forward is just that if he loses this summer um, of AAU ball, he's going to kind of be behind where most guys are at this time as far as playing national competition, because even though he played up, Uh, Most guys get that, you know, their last year of AAU. And if he doesn't have that, then that could maybe uh, curtail a little bit his development. Um, But from all by all accounts, he's a a really hard worker. And so maybe that's not something that's a necessity for him to be able to play in, in, you know, these Nike skill, skill camps and NBA top 100 again and EYBL again and some of the other prestigious camps. Maybe he doesn't need those. Um as much, but that is something to to look out for uh just because you know last year he wasn't the guy for c p three just because he was a little bit younger
1: yeah, it definitely would have been fun to you know to get to see him being the guy on c p three going against uh some of the other top players and as you you mentioned kind of the the defensive versatility when when i think we were expecting an offer to come looking at the the nike e y b l stats you know he didn't really register much in terms of steals or blocks and my first reaction was you know i i doubt their stack keeping when it gets to steals and blocks is that accurate because i think at UNC you would expect somebody to be you know be in the passing lanes come over for for block shots especially off the ball given given his jumping ability so i think once again defensively it is going to be a calling card and And really it's just going to be how much can he, can he work on his shot? Um, And not to belabor the point, but for UNC, a team this year that really, really, really struggled shooting the ball. um, You want to have good shooters around, especially when you have talented people in the post and, and ideally, you know, with Hubert Davis on the coaching staff, they could be going through some, some zoom lessons or, or something like that. Because I think when you, when you see him shoot, he has a good arc on the ball, but it, you know, when he's missing, it could be short, long, left, right. It, it's kind of all over the place. Um, so once again, that that would be the main thing to to focus on. But at the same time, a guy I think that has a lot of potential and is,
2: is currently under ranked at uh, 68. And potential is what I was going to uh, jump in and add. Uh, people just have to remember that, you know, he's, he's the right age. He's not old for his age. There's no, talk of reclassification or anything like that it's not someone who's kind of game the system to their advantage to get ranked higher so they can move on like he is the right age he's still a developing prospect he still has more than a year before um he'll enroll at carolina so there's a lot of progress that can be made in someone's game during that time if you um look back a year ago and you start talking about caleb love uh unc signing caleb love who's, who's uh coming in in 2020 Uh, No one knew if he was a point guard. There was a huge question mark about whether he could come in and kind of be the lead guard for a team. And, you know, he answered those questions by working hard, improving his game, uh, playing against great competition at USA Basketball, um, on the EYBL circuit, <clears throat> and then at other camps. And then, you know, fast forward a year, and I don't think there's any question that he can play the lead guard for North Carolina and start as a freshman. So just think about um, the, the trajectory that Styles is heading on, and then you add in his work ethic to that, which, you know, everyone we talked to in getting ready for this commitment uh, just raved about. His ability uh, to work, his ability to be in the gym, how serious he is as a basketball player, and you start adding all that together, and you can project him to be a really, really um, strong contributor. Not, you know, maybe not initially as a freshman, but even I, I don't know that you have to wait until his sophomore year to see him really contributing. I think you could see it. You know, kind of one of those struggle in the in the non-conference, getting used to conference play, and then kind of take off in conference play, and then be ready to go as a sophomore potentially as a starter or a really important piece of the team.
0: Let's drill down a little bit into the potential position that he could play at Carolina because I've seen him listed as 6'6 and 6'7. He actually might be a little bit closer to the 6'7 side of that just based upon the videos and how he matched up against Aaron Sharp. But either way, I mean, you you guys both talked about his versatility and we've seen in the past, that Roy Williams really likes to use those versatile wings in his system. And there can be a lot of success there. The four, I don't quite know if I see styles maybe becoming a stretch four just because of, I didn't, I didn't really see a lot of post instincts there, but I'd be curious to get y'all's thoughts on that. So Sean drilling down a little bit more into that topic.
1: Yeah. Where do you see styles playing at the college level? Well, you mentioned the not really seeing him play in the post and would love, you know, you know, Terrell's input from high school, but based on his AE play last year, he only registered three possessions in the post. Um, and really on those three possessions, he got the ball in a smaller defender and kind of settled for, you know, a 10 foot, a 10 foot jump shot. Um, now, once again, they're playing four out and he was pretty much always on the perimeter. So, a little hard when that, when your offense isn't uh, based around getting you in the post or or on a mismatch. But yeah, I mean, I think normally, I mean, even Luke May, who you could say is an undersized four, he was still listed at six, eight. So at least from a size perspective, he still fit the bill. Um, I mean, I think you could go down to PJ Harrison, who based on his strength and and out of necessity had to play the four. Um, But, you know, what was he? Six, six, five. So you know, I think it it's going to be a good question of where where does he end up. You know, I could see it being the three, um, but in terms of who you're projecting at, at UNC, so you could potentially have uh, in terms of big men Sharp and Kessler and and maybe Armando as a junior, um, and all those guys are I'd say true true bigs. Um, so here you have a guy, as Phil mentioned, that could kind of work his way in coming off the bench subbing in um, for one of the bigs and kind of giving a different look because I think if you play him at the three, you could easily do that. Uh, but once again, I, I'd rather see him play the four where you're going to have more of a mismatched area rather than somebody kind of a wing that can just play off of him, um at the three.
2: I think his, what he does is provide coverage. And we've talked about that a little bit over the years with Leaky Black um, and about how, in 2019, if they didn't, you know, get the wing they needed, at, at minimum, they had Liggy on the roster to kind of be the starting guy. I think R.J. Davis uh, in 2020 will provide that for him. And so if they don't get a point guard in the 2021 class, then, you know, R.J. Davis can move over and be the starting lead guard when – Caleb believes like most of us believe he will after his freshman year. Um and I think Styles does that as well. So the roster for not next season, but the season after that, um, is already in flux. And I, I know it's kind of madness to talk about rosters two years away, but this is the way coaches have to think when they're when they're building, you know, their team. Uh so you have Walker Kessler and um DeRon Sharp, and you also have Armando Baycott, who have will have the option more than likely to go to the NBA. <clears throat> and then Garrison Brooks will be gone um, you know, who will have graduated his, his eligibility will have expired. So, um, you know, those three guys are left and then it's like, okay, so if two of those guys go, then you need someone to probably start at the four and styles can jump in there. If only one of those guys go, then you don't need anyone to start at the four and styles can be the backup four and the starting three or the backup three and the starting four. I mean, excuse me, the backup four and the start and the starting three. Uh, You know, you can do either of of those things. So it really helps them knowing that they have a piece, like Sean said earlier, um, kind of already ready to go. And they can, I think it helps them shoot for maybe higher ranked players at those positions so that um, if they get them, it's great. Um, is more competition more depth if they don't then they have styles who can do a ton of things and by the time he's a junior you know i think if he's still there i think he's gonna be a really really good player by that point and um can can really help north carolina you know it's hard to think about three years in the future but uh it when it gets there if he's still at Carolina, i think he'll be really good
0: yeah i, I definitely think he will be one of these guys that we see kind of have a steep rise in his productivity the longer he stays on campus. But I tell you, I was also very impressed with the way that styles really ran the court. And I think that's something that he can bring immediately is he's going to be able to play in this uptempo temple up-tempo bro Williams-style offense. Before we wrap up the podcast, let me go ahead and do a quick commercial break to talk about our good friends at Giant T-Shirt and GiantT-Shirt.com. We talk about them all the time because they are the number one place that you can go to get your Tar Heel gear. They have everything that you could want for the Tar Heel fan and your family. You can shop online right now at GiantT-Shirt.com. You can help support the local business because Giant T-Shirt has been your local Carolina business for UNC Apparel, Going back decades now. So you can shop online, enjoy their awesome selection, get that great customer service as well. And don't forget that if you are a subscriber to Inside Carolina, you get 10% off of your orders there at giantt-shirt.com. You can get that 10% off code from the Tarpit Premium Message Board or the Basketball Premium Message Board. So, T shirt and giantt-shirt.com, your place to go for Carolina gear. So, guys, let's go ahead and wrap up the podcast about styles just with some parting thoughts. As The Carolina fan base is obviously very, very happy to get the number one player in North Carolina and a good, solid prospect with a lot of upside to begin their 2021 class. I mean, what kind of outlook do you guys have to share with the Heels fans who are just basking in the commitment right now? Sherelle, let's start with you for that.
2: Well, again, coverage and then kind of gets them on the board. Those are the two big things because... Yeah, you know, I hate to say it, but we just don't know what the future is going to look like. And Styles is one of the players that Roy Williams was able to do um, an in-person evaluation on before everything happened with the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, so at worst, there is a really good player from, or really solid good player from Kinston who's going to North Carolina in 2021, and you can use that to build around. You know, you're not going to really need um, a, a ton of other things. Um, you know, you're going to need a lead guard more than likely. But as we talked about, R.J. Davis can cover that if need be. Um, depending what, upon what happens with Kerwin Walton, you might not need uh, a shooting guard in, in the class because you would then have um, Leaky, and then you would have Kerwin and then you would have Styles all able to play the three. So maybe you don't need that if you're able to get Walton because you have Styles. So uh, I, I just go back, and I, I hate to repeat myself, but I just go back to the idea of coverage and that he really um, – gives them flexibility in what they're able to do with the rest of the class um and, and how they approach it
0: all right sean final word is yours my friend go ahead
1: yeah i echo shrill's thought because right now now you, you really don't have to look for that versatile four or three anymore in the class and you can focus on okay do you do you want a, another true true big um sure now you can focus on a few of those but now uh you can really just go in on on the kennedy chandlers and the point guards and the, the uh, i'd say the true wings um and try to land one or two of of those guys so you're getting a, a guy that i think we all think is a high upside prospect uh number one in the state of north carolina and you're kicking off your 2021 uh commitments uh in in mid-april so once again right now we'd be going through the first live period and you already have one on the board. So I think that's a, a sign of, of good things and hopefully can can get the ball, ball rolling. All right, guys. Well, awesome talking to you. It's always good to do these podcasts after Carolina
0: gets a commitment, especially when it's an in-state prospect. But we'll go ahead and wrap it up now. Uh, we will be back again later on with another Coast to Coast podcast, probably, I think, sometime next week. So just stay tuned for that. But for now, you guys have a great rest of the weekend. Thanks, John. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by Johnnyt-shirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase.
2: What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ, Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do average averaging 29 and 11. It. God, what it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Four, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing.